real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John. And today I have Brian Olson and John Lester from One Broken Cog, and they help businesses define and achieve their current goals and long-term strategies by implementing custom solutions and processes. They focus on improvements in areas that might have been overlooked by making small adjustments, not major overhauls. Welcome to the show, John and Brian. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Good to be here. Great to be here. Thank you. So one of you is in the East Coast and one is in the West Coast? Yes. Yes. They they separated us. <laughs> That's right. But Hopefully the, we'll the, be out on good behavior soon. The fascinating part is that, that we bring different perspectives because it is very different doing business on the East Coast versus doing business on the West Coast. So we bring different perspectives to every assignment. That is interesting. So how did y'all meet and then decide to start One Broken Cog? You know, the stars aligned and that, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> John has a much better version of that. <laughs> well, actually, it's it's interesting. Brian and I were working on, we didn't know each other when we joined, but we were working on an account together. And Brian has got an insanely amazing sales background of 20 plus years, West Coast orientation. Again, as I said, arguably one of the best salespeople that I have met in my 40 plus year career. And we started talking about why the organization that we were working with wasn't being successful in what it was trying to do. And it wasn't the customer. It wasn't the competition. It wasn't the salespeople. It was all the processes within the organization that were misaligned that were preventing the organization from being successful. So the problem was themselves. And so we were talking about this and, and just happened over span of probably two and a half years, COVID hit. And he and I said, hey, wait, wait a minute. Why are we only talking about this all the time when we get together? Why don't we actually go do something and go help people out? So that's really how it all happens. So we're COVID baby business. Absolutely. No, and to add to that, I remember John and I kind of went our separate ways, but we still stayed in touch. I mean, he was kind of like my coach in a way. Because, you know, he has so much, he has a huge breadth of experience in, you know, leading organizations and aligning them and with, with process oriented, you know, process driven. And, uh, you know, I would call him for advice on projects and he would be on projects. And exactly like he said, we finally realized that, hey, together we're a force of nature and I don't think anything can stop us. You know, we're very yet aligned and we've come together and our results speak for themselves. We've taken the world by storm. We've only been doing this for a little bit under a year and we have great clients and some great success stories. So it's been a great journey thus far. Wow. I didn't realize that you started during COVID. Wow. So. Well, what else are you going to do? You can't go out can't go to a restaurant. Let's start a business. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I know a lot of businesses are getting started during this time. That's so. right. <laughs> Good excuse to start one. So do you do this full time now, the two of you with the one broken cog? No, we take eight hours a day to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, we read Tim Ferriss' The 4-Hour Work Week, and we said, let's just make it a 4-Hour Work Month. 
you know? So uh, <laughs> this is pretty much it. But again, as Brian said, yes, we've been very fortunate. Yes, we have accounts. But when you think of any business, it still takes a business a certain amount of time to find its own footing, to find its own direction, unless you're, as an example, a franchise knows exactly what it wants to be because that's why you buy the franchise. But but any business that's trying to figure out where you best fit in the market, and, and realistically, and COVID's a huge, huge determinant on this, what does the customer need? And, and part of one of the effects of COVID is that the customers have no idea what they want. They're so confused with what happened to them. I mean, it's basically like getting into a car accident at 100 miles an hour for most businesses, what's happened in the last nine months. And so we're also trying to figure out where do we bring the most value to these people? What exactly do you help with? And can you explain how you got the idea for the name One Broken Cog and what exactly that means? Yeah, I'd love to take this one, John, if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, definitely. No, go for it. John is it's kind of like the Brian whisper. He kind of reins me in. And I like to call it verbally whiteboarding. You're kind of brainstorming out loud. You know, obviously he's in the East, I'm in the West. We're not in the same room together. We were talking about a project that we were working on and I missed it. John caught it. And I was talking about, hey, listen, one broken cog in the machine and the whole thing falls apart. And I kept going and going, he's, that's it. That's it. And I said, what, what is it? And he said, it's one broken cog, you know, it just, so he, he kind of recognized that as being our catchphrase. And it really is representative of what we do is to identify the broken cogs and then fix them. And as John mentioned, as, as we're coming into our own and really figuring out what our real value is, because we have so many different services that we offer is that we read a quote and it was from Albert Einstein. And it said, if I were given one hour to save the planet, I'd spend 59 minutes defining the problem and one minute resolving it because we live in a solution-centric world. Everybody's selling a solution, but what's the real problem? John and I run into this all the time. I mean, businesses come to us with a perceived problem and their vision is so narrow and they don't understand what the underlying problem really is. They don't understand the problems that come out of the original problem and the problems contributing to the perceived original problem. And it's commonplace because less than 1% of the workforce has been taught how to define problems. John and I have really, it's like a two-pronged approach. We need to get in there and really respect the process and identify all of those issues, align them, as John mentioned, and then come up with a custom solution, not a one-size-fits-all, not a plug-and-play. This is a custom solution for that specific business. So how do businesses find you? They will either find us online, they will find us on LinkedIn. So we're doing LinkedIn outreach, a little bit of word of mouth mm -hmm. going on. We want to go back to what Brian was saying first. What's really fascinating is, and I don't know if you read Relentless, and it's the story of the, the gentleman who has become one of the most successful coaches. He's a personal coach and coached Michael Jordan. And when you think about his role, his role was not to tell Michael Jordan how to play basketball. His role was to watch Michael Jordan and understand what Michael Jordan couldn't see because Michael Jordan, like anybody else, any human being, any business owner has blind spots. Mm -hmm. So his role was to say, all right, Michael, you might mind to consider changing this because now Michael's going to self-correct to a certain extent, but he's going to bring to Michael an insight from the outside that Michael doesn't have. And with most business owners and most businesses, especially in the SMB space, focusing 100% of their energy on working in their business and not working on their business, they just don't have the ability to see. As human beings, we have a tendency to discard what we do not believe to be relevant. I didn't say what isn't relevant. I said, do not believe to be relevant. And just like you don't see a red Toyota until you go buy a red Toyota, and then all of a sudden you see 10 million of them on the road, until somebody helps an individual understand what they might do to improve. They just don't see it because they're not looking for it. Mm -hmm. So that's really our role. So before you go and buy a solution, 
Why don't you figure out what the real problem is? That's true. I mean, John, you bring up a great point as far as Michael Jordan. I mean, you look at his shooting mechanics and you figure, well, gee, that should be the, the staple. We should train everybody to shoot that way. Well, Steph Curry can't shoot that way. His body type, his muscle memory, all those things, he shoots a completely different way, but he hits three pointers just like Michael did, right? So every business is unique. Every business owner is absolutely unique. So our job is to go in, like John mentioned, and really identify and understand their business, understand their process. It's kind of like a, a music producer. A band brings in a bunch of demos, rough ideas for a song. We're not rewriting the song. We're polishing it, fine-tuning it. We're not playing the guitar for you. We're not shooting the ball for you. We're collaborating with you and guiding you and making you the best version of yourself that you can be, tightening up those areas so it does lead to better retention. It leads to a better positive culture. It leads to increase in revenue and all of those great things that come out of the process. Are you able to give any kind of examples of clients that you've had and where they needed help and how you helped them? We got a call from an organization that said, we need sales training. So just just to put it in context, the, the order of blame in organizations when things aren't going right, and, and I define things as not going right, as you do not have a consistently increasing revenue stream. That's our definition of when things are going wrong. And they called us up and they said, we need sales training. And we said, well, why do you need sales training? We need sales training. Poor Brian was on, started on the end of this because he got the initial call and he's calling me up and we're, and we're saying, no, these, these guys, they don't know what they don't know. So why are they trying to buy sales training? So we finally relented and said, fine, we'll give them sales training. And as we got into it, because we were training the sales team, as we got into it, as he and I thought, because we're, we're asking significantly insightful questions to these folks, we're realizing that's not the problem. So let me give you the crux of the issue. This is an organization that because of COVID transitioned from selling very high ticket, very custom solutions to very technical buyers and changed to selling commodity products to professional buyers in industries they didn't know. And so of course, what's the natural solution? Why aren't you making your number? Because of the salespeople. Not because your messaging isn't wrong, not because you have no idea what your buyer buys, not because you have any idea how you make decisions, not because your guys are not skilled in this. It's because your entire assessment of yourself and your market is wrong. So you blame it on the salespeople. That's not an uncommon situation, by the way. The details change from, from client to client, but that's not an uncommon situation. Brian had one in the medical field that was just horrific. In what they didn't know. Yeah, it's and it's it's funny because a lot of people, as John mentioned, they think it's one thing, and it could, and it very well could be that could be part of it. But we can fix that area. But if the other areas are not aligned properly, it's all for naught because it's not supporting that one sales team. If the hiring process is lacking, if the training is is non-existent, if the comp plan is way off. If the processes are non-existent, if the workflow is causing you issues and you know everything is interconnected, so you have to fix every broken cog to support that one cog to be fully functioning. So that, that's really our perspective. So yeah, as you mentioned, we came in doing sales training and there were so many other issues contributing to that problem. And now, of course, they're very, very receptive because they're feeling the pain and they were feeling the pain. They didn't understand the source of that pain and what was behind it. So fortunately for us, we were able to go ahead and, and help them with that. So what process then do you go through to determine the broken cog, so to speak? This is going to sound a little simplistic, but just because it looks like a duck, smells like a duck, and walks like a duck doesn't mean it's a duck. Start doing a little more discovery. Start trying to think outside of your scope of understanding of the situation. And that's why you really do have to bring somebody in from the outside, because we are all victims of our own preconceived notions. 
somebody used an analogy once and they said that if you took 100 people and you put them in a room, you said, all right, everybody take a deep breath, sit down, close your eyes. We'll sit down first, then, then close your eyes. Take a deep breath and think of the color red and fix the color red in your mind. And then as their eyes are closed and they're fixing the color red in their mind, you hand out paint charts that focus on the color red. And theoretically, for the sake of the example, there's a hundred different color reds in the paint chart. And when you say, open your eyes and now point to the color that most represents the color that you imagined, you would have a hundred different opinions as to what red is. So if you have a preconceived notion, you can't see that there are 99 other possibilities. How are you going to solve a problem that you're not familiar with? And that's really our job is to identify those broken cogs and then make recommendations. They want to go find a solution somewhere else. That's fine. We're not going to fix every one of the problems. Let's figure out why there's water leaking on the floor before you call a plumber. No, and that's why that's the bedrock we founded our, our business on. You know, John and I knew from our previous lives that there was issues going on. And then from talking to clients, we knew it. And then from our network, we absolutely knew it. Then we looked at the data. And I mean, we found what 80% of companies say productivity and profitability would improve with better processes, skills, or competency training. And that's massive. That's people admitting that we have a problem. We don't know how to proceed. We don't know how to support our sales team. We don't know how to grow. We don't know how to keep people here. We don't know how to build a proper culture. We just are not getting it. We don't know what it is or why it is, but we need to fix something. We need to change something or we will be out of business. Fortunately, John and I are able to come in and do a deep dive, do a discovery session, do a needs analysis, and really get in and figure out preliminarily, because obviously we have to go a real deep dive in that business to be able to figure out everything. But there are certain problems that really rear their ugly head when we get in. And then once we start attacking those, other things come out. And of course, then we go ahead and we attack those as well. Are these mainly online companies or no. do you have no. to like go physically to these companies? No, and... right now, nobody's traveling. I mean, yeah. they're not necessarily doing doing business online, but all, all communication with every company okay. right now is, is online. There are very, very few companies. Well, there are still people traveling, but the number has been reduced so drastically. And, and quite frankly, most of what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand. And we're not doing manufacturing companies, so we're not looking at manufacturing processing, as an example, so we don't have to see a plant. But even in the case of manufacturing, I, I, I give you one great example, because I think it, it highlights it, at least from our perspective, really well. So if, if you ask a company what their main focus is, and then they say, our main focus is on the customer, because you've heard this all the time. Well, what do you mean your main focus is on the customer? We believe the customer comes first, what the customer needs and wants, that's what we provide. Well, that's what we care about the customer. Okay, great. And yet they will go at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year from the sales side and try to beat the customer up for revenue because they couldn't find it somewhere else. Well, if you're telling me that the customer comes first and the customer is the priority, why are you going and beating up the customer? That completely sends a different message and says to the customer, they really don't care about you. They only care about your revenue stream. That happens in so many more cases than you would ever believe. And that's the kind of stuff Brian and I have seen through the years. And that's what's hurting the organizations. And as I said, then they turn around and they blame the sales force. So they bring them in. They don't train them properly. right? They don't communicate properly. They don't even know what their own value proposition is. And that's really amazing how many companies don't even understand what business they're in. They put the salesperson out there and then they turn around and get rid of them. And the turnover in sales in the United States is close to 50% higher than the national average of turnover. There's no reason for that. Massive. And look who's leading them, Sarah. You have sales managers. What is it, John? 75% of sales managers admit they don't know how to communicate. 
training is non-existent for sales managers. We're not training our leaders. We're not building leaders. We put all of our training, if any, into the sales force, and then we don't train our managers. So we have the blind leading the blind, literally, and the numbers reflect it. Those are not our statistics, by the way. Those are industry statistics. We're not making the numbers up. When Brian quotes a number, that's a researched number. That's what's scary. So besides sales managers who haven't been trained well, what other big issues do you usually find? You can find issues in onboarding and in training. You can find issues in selection. You go and hire a salesperson, typically, as an example, against a profile. But what says that the individual fits the profile? Because the amount of screening that's done, if you think of it, most people are hired on a resume review and three to five interviews that typically last 45 minutes. And then they are expected to integrate, not just into the organization from a product and market perspective, but from a cultural perspective. Very, very few companies, and the truth is more are are understanding this and doing, very few companies are really, really hiring on culture. A lot of companies say they do because it's the latest buzzword, but they don't even understand what the culture is. That's true. And they have not defined their mission, vision, purpose. They don't understand what their values are. So how are they going to hire somebody that lines up with those when they don't have them define themselves? So we, we got a call and the fellow said something to the extent, if I remember correctly, of do you guys understand how to do remote close? Interesting question. And do you understand the tech space? And I said, Brian, I want, you know, get on this call with me because we, we got to figure out what he's really asking. What really is the problem, sir? I'm trying to sell this service, but I can't get anybody to work. Nobody seems to work out. What do you want? I don't know. Get me some good salespeople. Stop. Okay. <laughs> no, we're not doing it. All right. And basically what we found was that one, the business owner was so deep in his business that nobody could work for him. Two, his processes were so broken that they were completely ineffective. Three, he didn't really understand what value he was trying to bring to the market. You can sell most things if you just understand where your value proposition is. So Brian said, look, let me, let me take this thing over and, and went in. And Brian, where are you right now with that one? Because that's a fabulous story. No, it's great. We went in and really, I mean, we got our hands dirty in this one, kind of spent a day in the life of what a rep would would go through. And the amount of, I call it beating your head against the wall with just non-revenue generating tasks. You know, you have your strategic tasks, your tactical tasks, such time-sucking activities, I like to call them. I was, I remember calling John going, John, this is, this is horrible. What are we going to do here? So John and I recommended an automation workflow system. It was a system and the cadence that we use that system, the messaging within that system. And I, I mean, I think the first thing we did was we changed one line in an email, which is very, very quickly. It's one line that, that kind of jumped out at us. I think the very next day, he said, man, we got a 10% increase in appointments, right? Overnight. We went out there. Of course, we changed some subject lines. We automated the entire process. And by the way, I got to give him a lot of credit because he's very, very quick in, in recognizing that this needed to happen. And he's very, very smart and was able to implement it very, very quickly and efficiently. I was telling John this earlier, we were having a quick huddle and it's, it's night and day. He walks in and he doesn't have to lift a finger and he has ready-made sales appointments on the calendar. Everything is completely automated. He touches absolutely nothing. Whereas before he was spending 75% of his day trying to reach people at the wrong time. I mean, lead would come in, and it wasn't being booked. It was being sent over the wall to him three days later. It was, hey, call me on a Tuesday and we're getting it on a Friday. So we're missing out on opportunities. They're going to the competitor. Competitor is, is drinking this guy's milkshake. Now he's first to market. There's no turnaround time whatsoever. Everything is completely automated. We're seeing a massive increase in his appointments, a massive increase in his revenue. And this thing has been live. What has it been, John? Two weeks? Two weeks. 
Yeah. Two weeks. And we're still tweaking this thing. Obviously, this is a, a foundational change. So we obviously have a checklist of of tweaks and, and adjustments that we're going to be making to this and adding on to this as we move forward. But he's so excited about this automation that he actually wants us to team up with him and sell it in the system store. So that, that's how excited this person is. That's that's the monumental change. Uh, and of course, we're not done yet. We, of course, have the hiring and the vetting and the onboarding. That's a whole other piece of the, of the puzzle. But of course, fixing the automation was first. Imagine bringing in, if, if we would have taken this at face value and John and I would have said, okay, let's go out here and let's give them salespeople, we would have been setting them up to fail. And those people would have been another victim of a bad circumstance. So John and I digging in deep, understanding what the root cause of this is, fixing it. Now we're setting up all of those future reps for success. Now churn is going to drop. Culture is going to be higher. Reviews are going to be better. Retention better. Everything falls into place. So it's just doing things in the right order of operation and really recognizing, again, the root cause of what that problem is. You mentioned the order of operation. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What did you say? Mission, vision? Vision, mission, vision and purpose. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of companies, they don't have a mission statement. They don't understand their, their value proposition at all. Like John mentioned, you know, we have people that have no idea. They're trying to figure it out. They want us to figure it out. How are we going to figure it out? You know what you've been doing. We have what a company that came to us, 30-year company, 200 employees. They can't figure out what their value proposition is. I mean, I remember John pulling his hair out, trying to what you know ask them leading questions like a great district attorney would or defense attorney. Finally, they mentioned it. And John's like, you just said it right there. You know, kind of like the one broken cog moment when he said, Brian, you said it. That's the name. These people said, that's your value proposition. I would be advertising that everywhere. I would be plastering that to every wall, emailing it. And it was that aha moment for them. So, yeah, people really need to understand their mission, their vision, their purpose, and their values. Of course, when you're hiring somebody, you want them to align with that. It's just like, hey, listen, if you're a conservative on Twitter, good luck to you, right? Because Twitter is a liberal platform, right? They don't want conservatives on the platform. It's just the way it it doesn't align, right? Their mission, vision, purpose doesn't align. So order of operation refers to the way we attack this. So as an example, automation comes first. Now within that automation, you have to come up with that go-to-market messaging because if we automate it, that's great. That's one piece. The messaging doesn't resonate. Obviously, it's not going to make much difference because people have to respond as far as lead gen goes. And then from there, you're scripting, right? You're pitching and it's your talent that you're bringing in. And it's the proper compliment. It's realistic expectations. How many people leave an organization or they are let go from an organization because there's unrealistic quotas or expectations? When we're not making data-driven decisions, we're just pulling these numbers out of thin air. And we see this happen all of the time. So it's attacking things in the proper order. And it's, you know, we always like to use the analogy, crawl, walk, run. And I've used this before, whereas, you know, hey, listen, I'm 400 pounds and I'm out of shape. And well, okay, well, let's go ahead and take you and we'll take somebody in shape. We're going to run two miles tomorrow. It's impossible. That person's going to fall flat in their face. They are not going to want to go back out there and do it again because they're failing miserably. It's incremental gains. It's crawl, walk, run. There's levels to it. You know, there's people, there's businesses out there that John and I deal with that get it. Like this guy, he gets it in certain areas. In other areas, he does not, but he understands. He's very seasoned. Then we have other companies that were pushing the same exact agenda and they have no clue, right? They're very behind the eight ball. It's not in their wheelhouse. So it's this person can take one lap around the block. And they feel great, right? That's a win. That's incremental gain. Then maybe in two weeks, they can do three laps around. And pretty soon, maybe it takes a year, but they can run that two miles, right? So it's attacking things in the proper order. It's diagnosing the proper problem and then coming up with the right solution. 
So how much time do you spend with these companies? And then are you kind of an advisor, so to speak, throughout their growth? Or is it just kind of a, you evaluate it, you tell them yeah. what needs to be fixed? and Well, it depends on the scope of service, right? So mm-hmm. some people, it's it depends. You know, absolutely. As John and I, you know, we've been luckily enough, we've been so effective that people have retained us on as permanent consultants, right? So we'll do hour and a half consulting sessions every week with certain groups. You know, some people it's once a month, some it's once a quarter, depending on their needs and how severe their problems are. So yeah, no, it absolutely depends, right, John? Change is hard for anybody. And, and so unless you have an appetite for continuous change, it depends what somebody's trying to accomplish with us. So they, are they trying to just identify the issues that they can deal with now before they just get get tired that there are too many issues? Can we affect enough change that they're back on track from a financial perspective to where they want to be? Do they think they need us on an ongoing basis? One of our criteria for taking a client is that we ask them, I said, do you agree that it is possible that you may be part or all of the problem? If they can, if they refuse to answer that or say, no, I am not, we will not take them on as a client. This is about processes, policies, practices, that are driven by individuals. So let's find out why they're there. Let's find out what somebody was thinking. Let's find out if their thinking is thinking, as they used to say. Mm-hmm. That could be the broken cog right there. So they might turn around and say, hey, guys, you helped me out to here. We're good. Thank you very much. They might say, no, wait a minute. Let's keep going. Because in the case that Brian was talking about, that particular client sees the value that we can bring. And this is very interesting. So we have enabled him to stop working in his business, enabled him to start working on his business. He's a very creative individual. He's very much of a, of a serial entrepreneur. And now basically what Brian has enabled this individual to do is to start looking at new business opportunities because they see what the results we've been able to achieve in their business today. And they're starting to look at extensions and new businesses and saying, hey, we probably could use you guys in that too. So it really depends. So you had mentioned working on your business instead of in your business. Can you explain the difference between the two? Sure. Working in your business is you are so busy trying to do what it is that you need to do on a day-to-day basis that you never stand up and, and say, does this meet what my goals are? Why did I get into this business? Am I achieving that? Okay. Whether it's a revenue perspective or whether it's a, a dream or whether it's a specific goal that you're trying to meet, am I getting there? And when you're constantly in your business, it's like when you're in a hole. When you're in a hole, you can't see anything around you. You can only see in one direction that's up. Well, you got to get above ground to see everything that's around you to make a determination as to what might be wrong, what, what could be better. That's working on your business. And again, as I said before, that's a question of perspective. So what we bring to the business owner is a perspective that is not the same as theirs. Yeah, this person was a slave to an antiquated system. And, you know, as John mentioned, he was doing the work of five people. And he had, I mean, the guy had no sleep, he was working around the clock, just totally bombarded and inundated. And he knew there was a problem. He didn't know how to get out of it. So we came in from that side perspective, like John mentioned, and was able to make those, those adjustments and was able to really open his eyes on how to solve it. And we collaborated on this together. And he made those changes. And now he can offload much of this. Of course, it's automated. We can offload that primary job function he was doing is he was stuck to somebody else who that's their core competency. And now he can focus on why he got into business to begin with. And he can focus on the bigger picture, and those lofty goals that he has. We kind of unstuck him. We, we took him out of that 
purgatory he was in, and now he's in the land of milk and honey, so to speak. So for someone such as myself, who is a solopreneur, so to speak, and doesn't have a bunch of people and whatnot where I can pass something on to someone, do you recommend having a virtual assistant to work on certain tasks? From our perspective, that's not the question that we would answer because that's asking for a canned answer. And as, as Brian said, because the situations that we deal with are people-generated situations and everybody is different and everybody is different 10 minutes later, what we have to look at is what makes the most sense. If what you are trying to accomplish is true to your vision and to your mission and to your values, if everything you're trying to accomplish is clear and is alignment in your mind, and your problem is that you're just trying to do too many things, then if you are able to delineate those tasks in a clear and concise fashion to give them to a personal assistant, then maybe a personal assistant makes sense. A lot of people can't even get there. A lot of people don't even understand how many balls they're juggling at once. Because business, even simple businesses like yours, are complex. And nobody is trained to do all of those things. None of us go to school to learn how to do all of the things that you have to do in a business. That's why the bigger the business gets, the more specialized you become. And, and if you ever go to a very large organization, go talk to the CEO, CEO doesn't intimately understand any of what's going on because that's not his job or her job. So for, from our perspective, in the SMB space, it's the worst because they're not generating enough revenue to be able to make those decisions because they can't see, so they can't hire the proper supplemental staff or implement the proper supplemental technology until we come in and are able to dissect for them what their real problems are, determine which of those problems they want to solve first and figure out which of them is going to give them the best ROI. Now you're back to revenue because every business needs revenue to survive. So kind of to shift gears a little bit, I'm curious what it was like to launch a business during COVID. What kind of challenges or was it a pretty easy thing to do? It was fun, right, John? Yeah, this is going to sound flip, but it's not. When you're facing the realization that business in this country is collapsing around you at a rate that we have never seen, except possibly during a world war, you know, you can sit there and a lot of people did. They got very upset and they froze. The, the biggest issue I think we're going to have coming out of COVID is not going to be the disease. It's going to be the psychological impact on the American workforce. We haven't seen that. We haven't even see, seen the beginning of it. So for Brian and I to say, hey, look, we know what we can do. We just got to change the way we're doing it. And as long as we could not think about what we lost and just think about what we're trying to gain, it wasn't that big a shift, but it's mindset. Yeah, it is. And I think being a glass half full type of person, the timing was good. And what I mean by that is everybody was collaborating more than ever, right, sir? I'm sure you've seen that where everybody was willing to talk and really network and, and try to lean on each other for answers. And People were making adjustments because they knew they had to, to survive. And they were also reflecting and it slowed people down to, to say, Hey, where are we missing the mark? You know, how are we pacing to our goal? What's my end game here? What can I do to better position my business and differentiate? So that was, it was ripe for us to come in because people were receptive at that time. Fortunately for us, we have a really great network. And as John mentioned, we had a lot of referrals and you know, we didn't have to advertise that heavily in the very, very beginning, but of course we're looking to expand our business. So, and it was a great learning experience for us. We were able to see, you know, similar issues for each business. We were able to come up with foundational structures that we can bring to these businesses and build upon. So, yeah, I think you know, timing was good. And as John mentioned, there was so much negativity going on. This was a great outlet for us. We were victims of bad decision-making. We came from the corporate world where 
there's unrealistic expectations and horrible leadership and just toxic work environments and everything that our clients are suffering from or with, we were there. We are them. So we can empathize with them. So we are basically championing the cause for all the people out there that are victims of that. And we are taking it on our backs and responsibility to go out there and fix it for them because we are them. We've been bit by every one of those dogs. (laughs) So we know how to avoid them. That's right. We've got our tetanus shots and we've, you know, <laughs> we're ready to go. And in your COVID shot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I appreciate y'all's time today. Where can people learn more about you? And if they're interested in having you take a look at their business, I would go to our website, onebrokencog.com. Exactly as it's spelled. It's, it's O-N-E. It's not the number one. So it's onebrokencog.com. All of our contact information is on there just reach out to, to either of us or, or go to results at onebrokencog.com, drop us an email. Our phone numbers are in there and we're happy to to chat, seriously. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll leave you with this, Sarah. You can have a great steak, the best meal of your life. It's just fantastic. You go out on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is coming up. You know, back when we could go out, you go out and have a beautiful steak or you know, maybe you go out and you have a beautiful lobster. Both great meals. You merge them together, you've got the best meal on the planet. You've got the surf and turf of the business world right here in front of you, John and Brian, the ultimate combination, the tag team champions of the world. We are coming and taking the business world by storm. That's all we need to say. That's why we could drop the mic right now, John. Boom. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I would take, take my you. mic out and drop it, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not dropping my mic. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the frugalpreneur and I don't want to have to buy another mic. So exactly. It's like those bands that used to break their guitars. Like yeah. The Who, remember the Who? They used to always smash. Like, what are you doing smashing that guitar? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Our pleasure. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.